Good morning, everyone. In the Anatta Lakana Sutta, the Buddha speaks categorically about not-self in all the many aspects of our experience. He says, Therefore, practitioners, any kind of form whatsoever, whether past, future, or present, internal or external, gross or subtle, inferior or superior, far or near, all form should be seen as it really is with correct wisdom. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. He goes on to say any kind of feeling whatsoever, internal, external, near, far, that that feeling should be regarded as not me, not mine, not myself. Any perceptions, any mental formations, all consciousness even. So we'll look at, we'll get into looking at consciousness and seeing not self even in awareness and not in knowing. But the main idea of this sutta, it's a, it's a meditation instruction telling us to look at all of the objects in our experience, the breath, sounds, body sensations, thoughts, and emotions, and to see them as not me, not mine, not myself. I'm sure you've heard this many times. John Kabat-Zinn made it famous, this phrase, like, I am not my thoughts even though we identify with them. And when we start to see emotions coming and going, we might see how we take birth in an emotion, but it's actually not me getting angry. It's just anger. And so in our practice, we can use that frame to support our insight into this quality of not-self. Sometimes it's as simple as noticing how there's this sense of self or I that's pervading, like we looked at last night. And if we have a lot of identification with, I'm sleepy, I'm grumpy, I'm sad, I'm really irritated, to switch the languaging and just label it as sleepiness, grumpiness, sadness is arising. So even just that simple change in semantics can help us, incline us towards the sense of seeing all things arising that are nature not me or mine. So in the meditation this morning, we'll take this lens of the sense of not self or the impersonal quality of our experience. And a bit like we did last night in that little exercise, really looking for this sense of ownership or self or I that pervades and see where we, if we can find it. Can you put a finger on it? And just like Beth yesterday led us in looking at sounds, impermanence of sounds, impermanence of body sensations, impermanence of thoughts and emotions, we'll alternate between samadhi, short periods of samadhi, and then short periods of looking, investigating. And we'll do this for body sensations, then we'll rest. Then we'll do looking at an emotion, and then rest, and then we'll look at seeing meditation. 
And I'll just say a few words about seeing meditation before we do it. So most often at Spirit Rock, we usually meditate with our eyes closed. And this is a beautiful support for going in inward and really getting familiar with our inner landscape. But as we move into the awareness practices, it's very important to be familiar with open-eyed meditation as well. That sometimes we can get habituated to, oh, when my eyes are closed, that means I'm mindful meditating. But once my eyes open, not mindful anymore. <laughs> There's so much to see. But we can train mindfulness to know that we're seeing. And so any of the visual objects in the field can be a support, can be an object for our awareness. But we'll do that at the end. So most of the session, you can keep your eyes closed, <laughs> stay with what's comfortable. And again, we'll do our alternating practice. I'll guide you through. So feel free to find your posture if you haven't already. Make sure you're all propped and comfortable, at ease and relaxed in your body. And also feeling a sense of aliveness and alertness. So we're always balancing this in the body. How can we rest on the earth, easy, relaxed? And also bring a sense of vivacity, awakeness to the body, which supports awakeness in the mind. And as we begin and settle and come into a short samadhi phase, I'll offer these words by Sayada Utejaniya. We do not believe gentle awareness will work. We do not trust that it will grow into something. So we're not patient with gentle awareness. Personal effort uses our own effort. While waiting patiently for momentum to grow uses a natural process, a natural law, and natural energy. So as we rest with the breath, with a very simple object, really trusting that gentle awareness is enough and letting the momentum of your practice carry you with really nothing else to do.
invite you to find a place on your body that feels comfortable. So some place that feels at ease, open, pleasant. It could be your feet on the floor or the touching sensation in your sit bones or the length in your spine, open chest. Some place that feels easeful, relaxed. And as you place your attention on this particular body part, look for the self that thinks it owns this experience, this sensation. Who is feeling pleasant? And is the sense of self in the pleasant sensation in the body? Is it apart from the pleasant sensation? Is it the knowing of the pleasant sensation? Feeling pleasant in the body and then looking to see if you can find a self or anyone who possesses this particular sensation. And there might be this sense like it's me or mine, but when you look, you can't find it. And often there can feel a sense of like, is this right? I don't know, I can't see it, but I feel like it's there. And the disorientation is okay. If there's some frustration, that's okay. And often there's a sense of looking to find, not finding. And when you don't find the self, you can think this sensation is not me, not myself, not mine. Just pleasant. Or relaxing or ease, however you want to label this particular body sensation. Not me, not mine, not myself. And then as you're ready, you can drop the investigation and rest simply back. Rest with the breath. Nothing to do, let the samadhi carry you. Just resting.
Now we'll look at emotions. And I'll encourage you not to try to look for something that's not happening. But if you tune into your heart, maybe place your attention there and notice there might be strong emotions. There might be happiness, joy. There might be sadness, confusion, or just a general mood, a more subtle mood of enjoying or not. And so lean into, even it doesn't have to be a huge emotion, it can be very nuanced. But you might give your particular mood or mind state a name, just labeling maybe interest or boredom, contentment, fear, just naming the emotion and placing your attention on it. And then as you look at this emotion, the object of your mindfulness, see if you can find a self within it. Is there someone who owns this emotion? And is the self the same as the emotion or separate? Is it the one who knows the emotion? And does it have a location? And so when you look and you can't find it, you might use this phrase from the Buddha, this is not me, not mine and not myself. And of course the emotion might still be here, but instead of I'm sad or my sadness, just sadness is arising. Oh, this is what peace feels like. Or maybe just a subtle sense of okayness. Nobody owning this emotion, just aliveness, just this experience arising and passing. And we're not trying to get rid of the emotion, not judging it, just noticing the quality, the emptiness of self within this emotion.
when you're ready, we'll drop the concentration on the emotion, the investigation, and resting the mind very gently, perhaps riding the breath and trusting the momentum of your practice, nothing to do, just resting. So for the last round of analytical meditation, we'll gently open our eyes. This can be on your own timing. And just a soft, gentle gaze downward, kind of an angle, keeping your eye muscles very relaxed. And you might notice something in your visual field just right in front of you. It might be a pattern on the floor. It might be the cushion in front of you. Just choosing a particular object and placing your attention on that image, the visual object in front of you. And so with any of the senses, there are three components. 
And just as you keep looking at your object, notice there's the external object that you're looking at. Cushion, floor, wood, something else. There's the object external. There's the eye that's seeing. So first component is the external object. Second component is the actual organ of the eye. And the third is the seeing consciousness. You know that you're seeing. And so as you're looking, seeing this object, can you find a self in any of those three? Is there any permanent, single, independent self that is seeing? Can you find it? Is the self in the seeing? Is it in the eye? Is it in the knowing that you're seeing? Who is seeing? And there might be the sense of, well, I'm seeing. <laughs> but the invitation would be then to change the language. Seeing is happening. Seeing is being known. And in all forms, internal, external, far or near. We see them as with real wisdom, with the correct wisdom, knowing this is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. Seeing is happening. And so when you look for a self and you can't find it, then you can rest the mind. And you're welcome for the last little bit of this practice to keep your eyes open if you'd like. And no need to investigate or look at seeing or a self. Just keeping a soft, gentle gaze and riding the breath, continuing with your samadhi. Noticing how it might change with the eyes open, but the primary object, most of your attention on the breath.
one last Saira Utejaniya quote to end the sit. He says, when insight arises, it is a moment of liberation, not separate from reality, but reality itself. When insight arises, it's a moment of liberation, not separate from reality, but reality itself. Thank you for your practice. Some of this might be very new. Oh, really encouraging a kind of playfulness with it all. Notice if you're getting serious. <laughs> and then lighten up. <laughs> Just meditating. And really the open-eyed part can be harder. There's more going on. There's somewhat more mental activity sometimes with the eyes open. But I'd encourage you throughout the day today to really be aware that seeing is happening. As you're moving through in transition, or if you'd like to experiment with more practice sessions with your eyes open, walking, of course, be aware of seeing. And then as you move through the day, just as we alternated, you're welcome to do that. Choose an object and then just break it down. See if you can find a self. Find a self in the carrot you're eating. Or find a self in who's hearing the birds. Who's choosing a place to walk. So investigate for a while, then rest. Sometimes our minds get very active and keep looking and keep looking and want to find and want to think about this and figure it out. Do I understand? Do I not? Where is the self? Is it the knowing? So really rest. You know, watch all that activity and then give yourself long periods of samadhi to keep stable, keep the momentum going. And I'll say one more thing before we do Q&A, and that is that often the self tends to hide in the knowing. So we can see clearly, well, yeah, the external world isn't me or mine, obviously. And sure, I can see the impersonal nature of thoughts and emotions. They come and go. They're not me or mine. But still there's this sensation of somebody who's having this, who's knowing all of this, who's mindful, that we think we're consciousness itself. And so look at that. Also, because it's like its last stronghold. <laughs> consciousness is the self's last stronghold. See if you can see the emptiness in consciousness even. That knowing is just happening. Who's knowing? So you can play with that also. So let's do some questions. We have time. Donald will run the mic. Thank you so much. Yes, I see a hand here.
Hello, thank you. Mm-hmm. Meditation is all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ran into. Uh, <laughs> A sense I'm stuck, but not sure exactly where. Uh, working with impermanence and the instruction to focus on the endings of things, and it was manifesting in meditation interfering effects. So basically, I couldn't find any. Um, I found that most of the endings I was focusing on were arbitrary, mm-hmm. and. It took away from the meditation because my mind, I was asking my mind to create or judge when something was ending. Yeah. Focusing more on that. Yeah. But it seemed like it was my step end when the heel hits or when the weight shifts. It was arbitrary. And mm. for those that weren't, like for instance, the ending of a sound, I found that the moment the sound ended was simultaneously the beginning of silence or something else. Yes. And so my meditation would turn down intensity while I'm trying to find something and then up and then back down when we were doing samadhi was just fully present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where am I stuck? Well, you're not stuck at all. (laughs) That's very normal to feel that way. Sometimes samadhi feels so smooth and settled. Okay, I'm finally getting the hang of this thing. And then we throw all these sticks in your wheels and it's like, wait, I'm supposed to find a self now and there's all this impermanence and it's very unsettling. Because actually I would say you're seeing a lot of subtlety and impermanence. That truth of like, I can't even put my finger on an ending. (laughs) Because the next thing is beginning, right? When is the end? End, 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 end. (laughs) So that's actually leading into deep insight and the shakiness of even impermanence. We can't even say that it's beginning because it's over already. (laughs) Yeah. So go with that. And if there's frustration, this, this just to say for everyone, this does lead to frustration. <laughs> and like bumping up against things and being like, wait, I, uh, uh. it's like meant to kind of twist your mind. So that's good. Not stuck. <laughs> Keep going. Good frustration. Yes. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. I see behind the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's interesting when you say Donald's going to run the mic. I'm like, Donald is moving very slowly. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm always drawn to be here and do this practice probably more than anything else in my life. And, I'm, and I hear the end of suffering and then it just keeps, you keep, we keep talking about suffering. And I'm, and I'm wondering, I enjoy the sense of the peace that comes. And there's also a creation that comes from there. And so the not-self... If let's say one is going to write a book and you wouldn't go buy not self, or you might. But the point is that I'm, it was somebody's conversation yesterday that was, um, we still can be passionate and concerned about things that matter and do things. And I'd like to be able to, to settle in that place, even as, as I'm doing the not self, there's also things that come forward that feel like they're valuable. Mm-hmm. The reason that I'm, I'm born and things like that. So I don't want to get, I'm not attached to it so much, but I'd like to kind of find that that's okay in this journey. Yes. Yeah, this is very much the middle way that the Buddha invited us into. Because your question also is related to those two truths, 
you know, when we start to talk about not self, we can lean heavily into emptiness. And we think, oh, this practice is maybe taking me away from the world, or I'm just going to be completely zen all the time, <laughs> like no, no emotions. We can feel that way. You know, there's so many connotations of enlightenment as transcendence or getting out of this world or changing, transforming somehow so we're less human. Actually, I would say in my experience, it's the opposite, that we're practicing to become more human. And the emotions don't go away. In some ways, they get stronger. But the relationship to them changes because there's less identification, there's less stickiness. And so there's more resource and availability for the world. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say quickly, His Holiness Dalai Lama, my teachers, they're all so human. I mean, they can go through all these emotions up and down, all around, very engaged people. So if that story is coming up, like, what am I doing here? What is it going to turn me into? More human. <laughs> like that, yeah. So many hands. I know it's hard to choose. How about way back in the back? Yeah, this person. I'm just looking at folks who haven't asked a question yet. Hi. Thank you. Um, let's see. When I'm meditating... I'm seeing a flurry of different images come at me, and it kind of feels like MTV after hours on steroids. It's like really fast. It's coming, and it's different images, some of them haunting, some of them very relaxing. And um, I figured that the breath can maybe help slow that down. I'm not sure. But I've also tried opening my eyes, and something curious happened. My eyelids started flickering, like as if, it was used to seeing the images change so quickly mm. that it was trying in reality to change what I was seeing. And I was like, <laughs> surprised and almost, um, I laughed at myself, just like, what are my eyelids thinking it's going to happen? Nothing is going to change. And I wanted to ask if there was a way to maybe slow down what's happening. Because even when I went to bed last night, again, those images like, quickly started coming to me and I'm like thinking to myself, I, I just want to relax. Yeah. I don't want to see all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I imagine maybe others are having a similar experience. Also very par for the course, part of the territory as the mind gets more settled. Uh, we can often have strange images arise, dream-like things or colors, textures, all kinds of, and sometimes it moves very fast and it can make us feel nauseous, like not good. So the first thing I would suggest is really to look at the attitude towards what's happening. Because often if it's unpleasant, we're going to try to meditate it away, right, to fix it. I'm here, I'm supposed to be peaceful and I can't sleep because my mind is doing all of this funky stuff. So really to look if there's aversion, in the sense of, let me try to do something so that I can get back on track because I'm off track. Um, that All of that is kind of a version of a second dart. Um, so usually the instructions would be to just name, you, you could actually use the label seeing, even with your eyes closed, if you're seeing lots of images, be aware of seeing. And then instead of focusing on that as the object, you could do this little an analytical process where like, who's seeing all these images? Who doesn't like them? Who wants things to slow down, right? Do the same sort of 
looking at the three ways of seeing, you could find their impermanence too. Notice when they come and notice when they shift and change. Um, Yeah, so I would use that as an object and that way it becomes a support for your practice and not an obstacle at all. Um, Does that help? I hope so. (laughs) Thank you. I'm also looking for a ride to South Bay area, Southlish Bug. We'll talk about rides on the last day, no worries. Um, but the other th- last piece I would say to that question is to really be aware of um, the moment before it changes, too. So be very curious about how the arising and passing is happening with those images. Yeah. Um, can I add just one piece to please, that? Please, please do. Um, sometimes a lot of that happens when there's sort of um, energy in one system that's that's just opening up and a lot of the kind of wildness of it is prior to it getting fully integrated and eventually it gets integrated and it, it settles down um, and one thing that can help it to uh, integrate more is just grounding more in the body mm-hmm. yeah okay. yeah that's great thank you Donald yeah okay Jeremy yeah Uh, thank you. Um, I was playing this weird little game this morning where I was like, okay, I'm going to steel man the argument for the self in my mind and see if I can like see around it. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I'm this like very specific point in the universe which has this specific collection of memories. I can recall them at any time. Um, I am having like experiences moment to moment. And so that feels very much like I mean, the specificity of what I'm experiencing moment to moment, the specific memories that I have, the tendencies and habit patterns, it seems like maybe all that collectively could be called a self. Um, I might be then fudging the definition of self so much that it becomes nonsensical, but I was wondering, what's your best argument against that? (laughs) I would actually go with that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're a composite of all those things. Sure. So it could be that we're just changing our definition of a self because the self we sort of assume to be there is, as I was saying, single, independent, separate, permanent. And if we start to see, oh, I'm just a composite of all these moments leading up to now, all of these memories and situations, past influences, that's sort of the umbrella term in Buddhism would be causes and conditions. All of that is leading up to create this sense of whatever it is. You could call it yourself or aliveness or knowing. Sure, that's happening. Yeah. Thank you. Keep going. That's good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, Arya, yeah. Here. Maybe raise your hand again so Donald can see. Yeah. Getting some exercise. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Next time we're going to send you over there. (laughs) I I actually had two questions, but one of them was the last one, really. And I just wanted to echo that. It just seems very critical to define the sense of self that we are refuting. And I really appreciate that sense of self that you, the non-singular, I think that's something that I've often been very confused about. Yeah. And then related to that is just, um, you were saying maybe we're not even consciousness, though. 
And um, but what about awareness? Is there a distinction there? Hmm. And, what um, do you think? Um, part of I think awareness is maybe something else, but partly my answer is conditioned by um, maybe some glimpses of the direct experience of that, but also by teachings that I've heard. So I'm not I'm not so certain for myself. Um, but tentatively, it would see. It seems to me that perhaps awareness is something that is not conditioned that could arise in a different body, in a different place, in a different time, without all my memories. Um, so that that'd be my tentative answer. And but I'm kind of wondering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a big question, and it's one that I think Donald will speak to this evening. We'll talk more about in the next few days because we can have these questions about what is the difference between consciousness, knowing, mindfulness, awareness, attention. <laughs> There's lots of words we have. Then we can in include luminous awareness or awakened awareness. What are all these? So Donald will completely clarify the whole thing for you. <laughs> um, I'll just say something very brief now. Keep that as a practice question throughout the day. And traditionally, you're right. There's a distinction. So consciousness is momentary. It's just the knowing of objects, and it's shifting all the time. Knowing seeing, knowing hearing, knowing thoughts, um, consciousness, or vinyana. Awareness has a broader definition. So see in your own practice if there is a distinction. Is there something beyond consciousness? Is there something that feels more timeless? Is awareness permanent or not? Just explore that in your practice. See what you find. Yeah. Good. Did we get both of them? Were those both? Those are the two? Great. Okay. So we should end. Um, thank you all. These are great questions. And we can really tell, like, we're in it now. You know, your, practice, your questions show the practice is deepening. There's quite a lot of insight. And if you're struggling, that's also really good practice. <laughs> so look at the three ways of seeing. If you're struggling, look for the self in the struggle. So bring this to all of your activities. And alternating can be helpful. So throughout the day as you're walking or eating, alternate between resting and looking. Um, brief announcements, please come a few minutes early to our sitting periods. Um, it's quite different. I sat at the back this morning, and it's just different. If Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.